Let's get it going. Another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. How you doing? I'm Dirk Christensen, and I'm surrounded by the round table. Kind of an oblong table, really, but it gets the job done. We have information for you about what we'll be talking about and bringing you over the course of the next couple of hours on your Rural Radio Network stations. And Clay Patton has the ag microphone today. Yes, we've got uh, Shay, uh, Susan seeing her son off to basic training, so we thank him for his service to our great country. But we break down what's going on in the Ag Midday today. Shaley Peters kicks us off at 1219 as she is visiting with the governor about Bosselman's recent addition of flex fuel pumps. Always great to see more E85 and uh, oh, yeah. biodiesel pumps around the state. Then at the 1245 newsmaker Bryce Deuce gets joining Don Bloss on the reopening of the China trade for you sorghum imports of course china completely shut the the market off with very high import tariffs and now that sh- that market is reopened as trade war drums continue to beat softer and then finally at 117 bryce again with usda undersecretary of agriculture trade and foreign agriculture affairs ted mckinney they're talking on his recent trade mission to china all right thank you very much clay we'll turn you loose let's go talk to mike zuzalo here for a second jason jorgensen on sports Big change to the top, the KU Athletic Department. They fired Athletic Director Sean Zanger today. Native of Salina was uh, let go. Of course, he's done some good things there, but he was never able to find a football coach that could win. As Zanger was the one, he uh, fired Turner Gill back in the day and then replaced him as Charlie Weiss. And then when that didn't work, they went to David Beattie. And so sometimes that's what it comes down to. Schools, we know how that works. (laughs) <laughs> we know how that works in Nebraska as well. That doesn't sound too far from the so, tree, does it? But uh, we will uh, tell you more about that. Also, the Husker baseball team, they wrapped up their season with a win on Saturday, but certainly was a disappointing effort for the Huskers who missed the Big Ten tournament. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Darren Erstad about that. Also, uh, pretty impressive to see Justify roll through the fog and the rain and the, and the muck on Saturday uh-huh. to win. Of course, he's two for three now. He's five and zero oh in his career. Belmont Stakes is coming up on uh, June 9th. Well, maybe, maybe they'll get a dry day for a race. What a concept! Huh? When your track announcer can't see through the fog to even find the numbers, you got a bad day. You got a sloppy track. Well, that's the case. You just start yelling <laughs> and down the stretch. Thank God. <laughs> I think he finally resorted to the TV monitor. Didn't yeah, he? I yeah. can believe that yeah. because uh, you know, with as wet and sloppy as the Kentucky Derby was, yeah. uh, it was even worse on Saturday. Also, kind of a neat deal in hockey: the Vegas Golden Knights. They are on to the Stanley Cup final. Nice. Of course, exhibition teams. It usually takes them a while to get their footing and to get things rolling, but not with these guys. They'll take on either Washington or Tampa Bay in the final. Rob Brogan rolls in here with business. Well, Wall Street is jumping, and there uh, might be jumping for joy. I don't know. Uh, President Trump is pulling back from the brink of a trade war with China. He says uh, great progress has been made, and uh, for now the barriers and tariffs with Beijing will come down. In other action, this isn't really breaking news, but uh, the average price of U.S. gas has jumped 10 cents, 10 cents. Uh, up to uh, $3 a gallon. So lots of folks are kind of a little disappointed in that uh, as we head toward the Memorial Day weekend. All right. Thank you, Bob. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network. (music) 
Let's get going with our regional ag weather. And Paul Perkins standing at the ready, brought to you by Coolman Repair. We do have uh, lots of warmer conditions on the way. Yeah, and a little less fog, a lot of fog forming this morning. The ground pretty wet from those rains over the weekend. A lot of locations getting over two inches of rain. And Yikes. those calm winds last night and the moist ground and really lent to some ideal conditions for some fog to form this morning. It looks like that has burned off. Okay. Well, we'll welcome that and a little bit of sunshine for a change. And uh, we do have some chances of some showers, thunderstorms to develop each evening, what, this whole week? Yeah, pretty much uh, up through about Friday, and then we'll head towards a dry and warmer period. But otherwise, just some scattered chances of thunderstorms. Nothing on the horizon that looks like we what we saw over the weekend. So if you're anxious to get back in the fields, it uh, looks like some mineral uh, chances of that by the end of the week. Right now we do have temperatures pretty much in the low and mid-60s, that sunshine taking hold, and things probably starting to grow like mad because of all the moisture and, of course, that increase in heat, sunshine, and warmer on the temperatures for today as some south winds kick in with high pressure sliding off towards our east and low pressure just off to our west. We will see that increase in instability lead to a chance at some scattered thunderstorms that start up in the west later today and then track east on into tonight. Now, tomorrow, going to be the start of some warmer temperatures in the 80s. That will persist into the Memorial Day weekend. So those temperatures that we're going to see today in the 70s, only going to last about a day. Then we're back into some summer-like conditions. Weakening low pressure starts to lift into the northern Rockies and leads to some off-and-on scattered thunderstorm chances all the way through Friday. A few of those storms could be strong to severe, especially that threat on Wednesday, but not expecting a big severe weather outbreak. Mostly warm and dry weather starts to take hold for the weekend as a high-pressure ridge builds east onto the plains. Our long-term forecast indicates warmer-than-normal temperatures will continue this weekend all the way through the first three days of June in Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. Pretty good odds on that. Daytime highs in late May for central Nebraska usually warm to the upper 70s, and overnight lows usually cool into the low 50s. With those warm temperatures, will be a drier-than-normal forecast for rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through June 3rd. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and 4 inches down in the upper 40s to low 50s in most of Nebraska. For south-central and southeast Nebraska to the south of the interstate into north-central and west Kansas, the soil temperatures in the mid to upper 50s, the warmest soil temperatures in the low 60s over eastern Kansas and south of I-70 in the central. Key weather factors driving the markets include favorable combination of temperatures and rainfall in the Midwest and drier weather resuming in Brazil. An active weather pattern of multiple disturbances will lead to periods of rain and thunderstorms in most locations of the U.S. The locally heavy rain may also occur during the early to midweek across the southern plains. There are few, if any, concerns right now in the Midwest. Planning progress ahead of average in the east and rapidly increasing in the west. Soil moisture and temperatures also favorable for the development of crops moderate to heavy rain in the eastern portions of the southern plains wheat belt occurred this past weekend that's helping the heading and filling of wheat more rain though still needed in southwestern areas throughout the northern plains conditions mostly favorable for planting and developing spring wheat also corn and soybeans moderate to heavy rain occurred this past week in almost all of the central brazil crop areas that's going to ease the stress to pollinating and filling corn the dry season, though, remains well established with further losses expected due to for the later developing corn 
uh, very likely there in central Brazil. All right, and your ag weather brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. Looks like the weather's going to be less of a concern than the transportation concerns way down south. But for us, it looks like it's almost perfect growing season. Yep, exactly. Uh, I'm sure everything's just starting to really grow like mad uh, with all that moisture and the warm air. Uh, once again, though, we're only going to see probably temperatures in the 70s today and then right back into those 80s this week. I was talking with Scott Foster earlier today. I think you could probably count on one hand the number of days that we have just temperatures in the 70s. Yeah. It's either real cool or real warm. <laughs> well, that's the way it rolls yeah. here in Nebraska land. And a reminder, of course, that if you need weather, you can pick it up anytime. KRVN.com. President Trump saying in a tweet that China will buy practically as much as our farmers can produce. I'm Shaley Peters with you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a midday look at ag news. The Trump administration today pumped up the prospects of increased agriculture exports to China while expecting to see announcements on Chinese tariffs against U.S. agricultural products lifted following a joint statement issued by the two countries this past weekend. Agriculture was highlighted in the joint statement issued by the U.S. and China on Saturday following trade talks between the two countries last week. Both sides agreed on meaningful increases in United States agriculture and energy exports, the two countries said in a joint statement. The United States will send a team to China to work out the details. President Trump tweeted earlier this morning, Under our potential deal with China, they will purchase from our great American farmers practically as much as our farmers can produce. Ted McKinney, USDA Undersecretary of Trade and Foreign Agriculture, spoke earlier today to reporters from China, repeating multiple times he was very cautiously optimistic on the talks with China. I don't want people to get overly excited. I think we should be very cautiously optimistic, McKinney said when told of Trump's tweet. I do like the tweet, though. Markets today have responded quickly to the enthusiasm about increased trade and the freeze on new tariffs. McKinney said he understood that Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross would lead a delegation back to Beijing next week. And among other things, ag will be one of the focal points. And with the heated debate over the future of the renewable fuel standards still simmering, a new EPA rule sent to the Office of Management and Budget recently has the potential to stifle higher ethanol blends and expanding markets for corn and other biofuel feedstocks. The agency recently sent to OMB the Renewable Fuels Enhancement and Growth Support Rule touted as a regulatory rollback to reduce burden for regulated entities. The final rule, which is expected for completion in November, would implement quality specifications for fuel blends containing 16 to 83 percent ethanol. The OMB notice stated this would provide additional flexibility for ethanol flex fuel producers to support distribution and use while continuing to ensure EFF quality is consistent with current vehicle emissions control system needs. OMB said the rule is also designed to allow feedstocks producers at one location to be used at another facility to produce biofuels and would create new feedstock and fuel pathways in the RFS. And the cheers and jeers were all over the spectrum on Friday after the House of Representatives failed to pass its version of the Farm Bill following a heavy debate last week. The setback adds to the possibility of an extension that could complicate farmers' ability to switch commodity programs next fall for their base acres. Declining revenue guarantees for the agricultural revenue coverage have led to the likelihood that farmers enrolled in ARC are looking for the chance to switch at least some farms to price loss coverage or PLC 
policy for their safety net. House Ag Committee Chairman Michael Conway of Texas said the vote on the Farm Bill would tell farmers and ranchers if Congress stands with them or not. But other elements of the bill and desire among some Republicans for an immigration vote got in the way of passage. We experienced a setback today after a streak of victories all week, Conway said, after fending off several amendments in the Rules Committee on the House floor. We may be down, but we are not out. We will deliver a strong new farm bill on time as the President of the United States has called on us to do. Our nation's farmers and ranchers and rural America deserve nothing less. And that's a quick look at your midday ag news. Don't forget, you can keep up with all of our ag news, audio and video, as well as market information by visiting RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Renewable Fuels Month continues to be celebrated across the state. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And late on Friday, Governor Pete Ricketts joined in at a ribbon-cutting event at Bosselman Travel Center in Grand Island. They have added a variety of ethanol blends with their flex fuel pumps. And here Governor Ricketts gives his remarks. Biofuels are just a no-brainer because if you can look right up here, you can see the consumer choice we've got and the price and value that it brings to consumers, as well as the ability to help boost octane and be good for the environment. So this is something that is great for consumers. But not only is it great for consumers, it's great for Nebraska. Our ethanol industry here, for example, is the second largest in the country, only behind Iowa. We've got 25 ethanol plants here. We've got biodiesel, and all of that helps support our farmers and our ranchers as well. Because of course the distillers uh, grains that come off as a byproduct of producing ethanol go to feed our cattle. And we're the number one uh, large, uh, cattle feeding state in the country. So you can see we've got great synergy here between our benefits to consumers, benefits to our farmers, benefits to our ranchers, that golden triangle we have here in Nebraska between our corn, our ethanol, and our cattle. All that comes together to make something that is just perfect for Nebraska. So we're really excited to be here to be able to help cut the ribbon on this station and really help continue to promote biofuels as something that's great for our state, great for consumers, great for our country. Charlie Bosselman also gave his remarks about why they chose to do this and went into a little more detail on what exactly they'll be offering. We're very happy today to be promoting this new uh, location here with the blending stations we've got. Uh, Bosselman Enterprises is a huge supporter of ethanol here in the state of Nebraska. Uh, we're the largest retailer in the state of Nebraska of ethanol-based products and uh, blends above E10. And this is just another example of one of our sites that we put in. Uh, we are very happy with the new Clean 88, we call it, which is 15% ethanol. Uh, it's a great product, uh, higher on your octane, it's a better fuel, for your vehicles and it's better price so better product cheaper price it's a great value proposition across the board uh, other blends we've got e30 we've got e85 a lot of different selections out here we're a big supporter of nebraska farmers all of our ethanol is is nebraska ethanol produced right here in the state so we're glad to be able to promote that and to sell it uh, we're a big supporter of any biofuels uh, biodiesel is a big item for us too, and we're a big supporter of all that. So if you really want to support uh, uh, Nebraska farmers and the ethanol industry, come on out to this location, check it out. Uh, we 
They've got some great products. Uh, we're going to continue to sell them and continue to promote them and continue to add them to all of our locations throughout the state. So I want to thank the governor for coming out and uh, kind of kicking this whole thing off for us. But uh, it's a great example of a location. We really felt this location was going to be great because we get so many people in from all points in the United States. A lot of them are going to get exposed to all these different ethanol products, which uh, they may not have in their own state. So we think this will be a great ambassador type location for the whole ethanol industry. So we're real happy for everything. Uh, and uh, come on out and try it out. You can find more on this event and other Renewable Fuel Month's happenings by visiting RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the University of Kansas has fired athletic director Sean Zanger. School announced that firing today and elevated Deputy Director Sean Lester to interim athletic director while the university searches for a replacement. Now, during his time at Kansas, Zanger hired two football coaches, Charlie Weiss and David Beattie, in hopes to producing a winning program. Zanger had spearheaded a $350 million campaign to renovate Memorial Stadium and rename it the David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. Firing comes just a year after Zanger received a four-year extension on his contract and an increase in base pay to $700,000 a year. The university will pay the Salina native more than $1.4 million under that contract. The Vegas Golden Knights have made hockey history by advancing to the Stanley Cup Final. They earned a 2-1 victory at Winnipeg in Game 5 of the Western Conference Final to become the first NHL team to win three playoff series in its inaugural season. Vegas will now take on either Washington or Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Final. Husker baseball team ended a very disappointing season with an 11-8 victory over Illinois on Saturday. For the Huskers, they'll miss the Big Ten tournament as they finish below 500 on the season. And head coach Darren Erstad talks about the future. You know, it's obviously a huge wake-up call for a lot of guys that uh, this game isn't that easy. And we're at the mercy of the game. And we got a lot of work to do because uh, uh, obviously we're not good enough right now. Erstad made his comments on the Husker Sports Network. He also announced over the weekend that he doesn't plan on making any changes to his current coaching staff. Justified emerged from the fog and sloshed his way to another impressive victory, holding off several hard-charging challengers to win the Preakness on Saturday and keep alive the chance for trainer Bob Baffert's second triple crown in four years. On a sloppy track, similar to the conditions in the Kentucky Derby, Justified improved to 5-0 and will go to the Belmont Stakes on June 9th, looking to do the same thing American Pharaoh did for Baffert back in 2015. And gifted running back and former Heisman Trophy winner Billy Cannon has died at the age of 80. The former LSU standout wrapped up the 1959 Heisman with a memorable punt return against Mississippi on Halloween night. Of course, he later went on and had a successful career with the Oilers, Raiders, and Chiefs. LSU says he died at his home yesterday. And if you remember, the 1988 movie entitled Everybody's All-American, which starred Dennis Quaid, was based on Cannon's life. That is a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Skies will gradually become sunnier throughout the afternoon. We'll top out with a high near 76 with a light southeast wind at about 10 to 15 miles an hour. Then for tonight, 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms between 10 and 2, partly cloudy otherwise, and a low around 57. Then for tomorrow, mostly sunny skies, high temperatures near 86 degrees.
In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. The number of independents and libertarians in Nebraska is still on the upward swing while the Democratic Party continues to lose voters and Republican registrations stay relatively flat. The Nebraska Secretary of State's office says the Libertarian Party of Nebraska saw another surge in its membership before the primary election last week, even though it's still dwarfed by both Republicans and the Democratic voters. Nebraska projects that encourage outdoor recreation could be eligible for additional grant dollars. The State Game and Parks Commission is accepting applications for the outdoor recreation grants. And state highway projects are expected to delay travelers in western and southeastern Nebraska this year. The Nebraska Department of Transportation says work is scheduled to begin Monday on Nebraska Highway 61 in the Grant area of Perkins County. And in Pawnee County, bridge work is scheduled to begin June 4th on Nebraska Highway 65 just south of Pawnee City. Holiday travelers will have to bring along a few extra dollars this year. Friday marks the start of Memorial Day weekend, and more than 41.5 million people are expected to take the roads to travel for the holiday weekend. AAA spokesman Tamara Johnson says drivers will be in for a surprise at the pump. We are expecting to see the highest Memorial Day gas prices since 2014, and really that's attributed to higher demand as well as higher oil prices. The average price of a regular grade of gasoline in the U.S. jumped 10 cents over the past two weeks to $3 even, and industry analyst Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey said yesterday that the price has spiked 41 cents over the past three months. The average price of a gallon of regular grade gasoline in Nebraska is $2.80, according to the AAA. And the Environmental Protection Agency is providing new topsoil to about 15 homes near a former smelting plant in Lincoln this spring. The Lincoln Journal Star reports that more than $290,000 in federal remediation project is cleaning up topsoil from residential properties with potentially high levels of lead. Neighboring properties to Lincoln's old Northwestern Metal Company smelting plant were tested after smelting plants were discovered to be potential pollution sites. Current radar plus your 10-day forecast anytime. Just tap the app or click weather on our website. In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. The top market for U.S. sorghum reopens. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Dusky reporting. China has dropped its anti-dumping and countervailing duty investigations into U.S. sorghum. National Sorghum Producers Chairman Don Bloss joins me now to share his reaction and to discuss the issue. Don, let's first uh, set this issue up for us. Why did the dumping investigation first start? Well, it is a trade issue. It's kind of a tit-for-tat situation. Uh, the United States has put a tariff on washing machines and solar panels coming from China. So China wanted to be able to retaliate, and this happened to be about the same size of, a, of, a, of a, an amount that they were dealing with with uh, uh, washing machines and solar panels. So they kind of zeroed in on, on sorghum, and that's how we got caught on it. As I mentioned in the opening, Don, China is the number one market for U.S. sorghum. Help us understand how large the market is. Well, for example, two years ago, they imported 60% of our crop, and uh, they are our, our lead uh, exporter to start with, and this, the business has just grown dramatically to a point where uh, we, we was able to uh, sell about three-fourths of our crop or 60% of our crop to China. They enjoyed the, the feed value from it for, the, for their livestock or for hogs and, and uh, poultry, and we were glad to sell it to them, and everything was really working very good between the uh, Chinese buyers and us. 
Then this investigation began as a sorghum producer yourself, Don, here from Pawnee City, Nebraska. What was your reaction to, to first hearing the news that um, this investigation was going to take place? Well, of course, it was devastating. The markets on um, uh, February, February 5th, the day after they had uh, uh, talked about doing this anti-dumping and, and uh, countervailing uh, duty on sorghum, market dropped anywhere from 25 cents to a dollar and a quarter. Uh, overnight and uh, part of the problem was that we had shipments heading over there they put on a 179 percent uh, tariff on all the exports going into china and that, they did that on on uh, april 18th so that just stopped all the shipments to china and any business we had to do with them of course we had 20 ships out in the sea heading towards china so we had to figure out a place to put the the model that we were sorting that was heading over that direction. So that was kind of a handicap. It just kind of had our hands full. The United States uh, Grain Council and the uh, USTR, the trade relations, helped us out tremendously in finding another spot for sorghum. And if there was a bright spot in any of all the, the confusion with China, is we'd have probably developed a new market or two for uh, sorghum. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Spain both took some of the boatloads of, of grain that was heading over that way, and they're very impressed with their grain, and uh, I think probably reopened those markets uh, along with several other markets where we were able to uh, unload the ships, uh, sorghum. That is a bright spot uh, in all of this chatter, but now last week it was announced that China uh, they concluded their investigation and uh, decided that they would allow sorghum imports from the U.S. duty-free now. Talk about the reaction from the national sorghum producers to that news. Well, of course, we were delighted. We had spent a tremendous amount of time trying to connect with the USDA and, and uh, in trying to help this happen. And, uh, it, yeah, it was just a real load off our shoulders. Uh, pretty soon we should be able to trade with our traditional buyers in China and resume the, the good trade relationships that we had with them. I'm sure this provides a, a lot of certainty to folks who uh, have planted sorghum that's in the ground now, doesn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think that it's early enough in the season that we may see a, an increase of sorghum in those acres because no doubt the price is going to be, react to it and it's going to be a little bit better price. But sorghum, of course, is a very dry crop. It doesn't take too much moisture to, to raise a decent crop of it, about 40% less moisture than it does the, your traditional feed grain crops. So and in other areas, it's very, very dry. Southwest Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas are experiencing a real serious drought. So this does give more incentive uh, for the, those people to go ahead and plant sorghum and kind of be reassured that there will be a market for it and there will be a, a good price for it. Good. Anything else you want to add, Don, while we have you on the phone here? Well, I, I think we need to uh, vote a great bit of, that, of uh, positiveness of thankfulness to our USDA. They worked with us very hard, uh, helped us out tremendously. Like I said, the U.S. Trade, Trade uh, Council is uh, did their part in helping us out. I think we owe them a great vote of uh, thankfulness. 
Well, thank you very much, Don. We sure appreciate your time. That was Don Bloss from the National Sorghum Producers, also from Pawnee City, Nebraska, as we discuss the news that China has dropped its anti-dumping and countervailing duty investigations into U.S. sorghum. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Time for a market update on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton as we start to move towards the end of trade. Kansas City and Chicago wheat heading back towards its lows so far in the day. Soybeans trying to make a possible late-day rally towards new highs as well. Still triple-digit lot gains in the live cattle and feeder cattle near triple-digit losses in the lean hogs. And we have the crop progress report coming out this afternoon. Not really any surprises expected. July corn trading at 403 and a quarter, up three quarters. September 411 and three quarters, also up three quarters. December 421 and a quarter up one. March 429 and a half up one and a quarter. July soybeans 1024 even up 25 and a half. August 1028 even up 25 and a half as well. September 1029 and a quarter up 24 and three quarters just two pennies off of its high. November 1032 and a quarter up 24 even. July Chicago wheat 509 even down nine and a quarter. September 526 even down eight. December 548 and a half down six and a quarter. July Kansas City 528 and a half down 10 and a quarter September 547 and a half down 10 December 573 and a half down 9 and a quarter July Minneapolis 625 and a quarter down 3 and 3 quarters September 631 and a half down 1 and 3 quarters June live cattle at a buck 492 up to 52 August at a buck 62 up to 40 October at a buck 372 up to 02 December at a buck 945 up a dollar 80 August Feeder cattle at a buck forty fifty up two eighty seven. September at a buck forty sixty seven up two eighty seven as well. October at a buck forty one even up two sixty seven. November at a buck forty two ten up two seventy seven. June lean hogs at seventy four dollars even down seventy cents. July seventy six eighty five down forty. August seventy six oh five down fifty seven. October at sixty two thirty down fifty two cents. To the outside markets, the Dow Jones Industrial Average now up three hundred and thirteen points at twenty five thousand twenty eight. The Nasdaq up thirty nine at seven thousand three ninety four. Growing a farming operation by adding animal agriculture is a way to keep families in rural Nebraska. Jason and Kara Purdue were limited on time, resources, and capabilities to expand into row crop farming. Instead, they built a poultry barn to raise day-old chicks to 16-week-old pullets within a pivot corner. Livestock development is very important where we're at in Nebraska. We're not generating too much more income from the land we already have through crops. And one of the ways we can expand on those resources is through livestock. Not only does it give young couples a opportunity to come back to the farm, but also a way to diversify, bring extra income to families, keep families involved in agriculture. To learn more about diversifying your operation through livestock development, contact the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska. This message is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff in support of their number one customer, Nebraska Animal Agriculture. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network bringing you Closing Livestock Futures with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, as we take a look, a positive day across the board for live cattle, feeder cattle, losses for the hogs. Yes, sir. Well, it all started uh, with the... uh, Chinese and the U.S. Uh, deciding that they would put a hold on any trade wars and that they were interested in uh, buying uh, U.S. agricultural products. Well, that started off la- last night with uh, sharply higher grain prices uh, 
and as we came in this morning, uh, that obviously affected the uh, cattle. So uh, we started out higher and uh, just kind of moved along all day long with a lot of short covering. Uh, uh, but that actually is uh, good news for the for the moment, anyway. It's not a it's just a verbal agreement. It's not a written agreement, but it certainly helped. Cutouts were lower at noon. Haven't heard of any uh, trade so far today. Uh, sounds like the Packers are holding off just a bit. Um, so, but it was a very strong day. Had limit uh, limit move uh, or touch limit in both the August and June contract. The feeders following uh, along with triple digit gains. Now, the kind of sad news was the hogs. They uh, they started out lower and stayed lower all day long. Made a little rebound late. Cutouts were uh, lower, and that didn't help matters at all. Cash seemed to be near steady, but uh, overall a pretty positive day for uh, cattle and uh, a slightly negative day for the hogs. That is Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. You can call Joe at 1-800-328-0134. Joe bringing us a closing look at the livestock markets on the Rural Radio Network. In near perfect timing with this weekend's trade news, a USDA official leads a trade mission to China. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs Ted McKinney is leading a delegation of U.S. agribusiness and state government leaders on a trade mission to establish new business connections in southern China. This morning on a media phone call, he describes the trip and its purpose. Uh, First of all, we're focused here on the Agricultural Trade Mission, or as we call it, ATM, to southern China. Specifically, our time is largely spent in Guangzhou and Shenzhen. The reason that we're doing this, and I should say this planning started way back in October, and the design is that we in USDA, and specifically Foreign Ag Service, have ongoing business that we must conduct with, uh, with China. And so notwithstanding that you know there were issues brewing, uh, we elected to go ahead, and by golly, we're so glad that we uh, followed through because it's been a wildly successful uh, visit. Undersecretary McKinney discusses the key takeaways from the trade mission. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but given the issues that we're facing on trade, uh, it, it was so wonderful to see the incredible receptivity to U.S. products. Many of you have heard me say that there is something about uh, quality, about safety and perceived safety, and in some cases, volume to meet large retailer needs and it continues to bear out in this case as well. I would say as we look forward um, I continue to be very cautiously optimistic. Repeat, very cautiously optimistic. Um, Most details relative to where we land on major trade agreements are not complete. We're hearing, not certain, not locked, but we're hearing that Secretary uh, Ross of Commerce will lead a delegation back to Beijing next week, and ag will be, among other things, ag will be one of the focal points, and for that we are very, uh, very pleased. Even with some of the weekend news about putting a hold on a trade war with China, 
Some tariffs, such as a 25% proposed tariff on U.S. soybeans, still loom. McKinney was asked if the soybean tariff was off the table. The specifics are not clear yet. Uh, that is what I think next week is about. But uh, the reason I'm very cautiously optimistic is that I think the stage has been set to drive toward more concrete solutions next week. So I'm not aware that any specific commodities have been discussed. And you specifically raised, I think, soybeans. There was a distraction. I didn't hear the second one. So I don't know that specific uh, commodities or issues have been discussed. But I think the door is uh, fairly wide open for those to pick up uh, next week. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful and excited. President Donald Trump was also excited as he tweeted, quote, Under our potential deal with China, they will purchase from our great American farmers practically as much as our farmers can produce. Undersecretary McKinney was asked about it. I had, I had not seen that, so I'm not really prepared for an answer. Uh, but we'll, we'll take that as a challenge and see how the discussions go. Reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, now joined with Tom Dosdall from Daniels Trading and publisher of the grain newsletter, Technical Ag Knowledge. Tom, as we take a look, a great day for corn soybean trade as it moves higher. But as we're taking a look at the charts, it looks like these soybeans could have had a little more bullishness today. Yeah, absolutely, Clay. We, we were very pleased with the positive trade news with China over the weekend. But, you know, we gapped open about 20 cents higher on soybeans last night when the market opened and couldn't really add on to those gains despite as the day session went on. So I was really hoping to see them close above 1032 on November, which I think technically could open the charts up for a, a climb back towards 1050 where we struggled mightily, but uh, we closed just below that 1032 level, so we're going to have to watch and see how we interact with that tomorrow. And, Tom, as we take a look here, you talk about a gap open here on the on the soybean charts. Is soybeans one that like to fill gaps, or are they ones that will let gaps stay around for a while? Well, I think that gap is at risk, at least until we get more details on the trade deal. So uh, the key, I think, in my opinion, will be let's see if today's low holds at 1021 on the November, actually 1020 and three quarters, and go from there. That lines up right with the 100-day moving average, though. So um, we want to see that 1021 hold tomorrow. And then as we look across wheat being the kind of loser on the day, seeing double-digit losses on front months both in Chicago and Kansas City wheat, overall is this a time when it could show some signs of continued selling, or is there some uh, support levels coming up soon? Yeah, very very good question. We we had a very strong close on Friday right on the highs and you know the 20 cent rally on Friday was for no real reason fundamentally. So technically driven rally was met the traders obviously sold it off here today after some of the rains hit uh hit parts of the central and south plains as well as rains hit in Australia. So as far as support goes, I'm looking at around 513 on the July Kansas City as long-term trend line support. We want to see that hold 513. And then we've got the one that's kind of caught in between them both on today, and that is corn. Is it one that's just kind of a, a train, a slave to the grain that's going to move higher? Soybeans today, wheat last week? It sure does feel that way. It's felt like that for several days now. But we did like how December corn poked its head above the recent contract highs, actually getting as high as 424 and three quarters. And I also really liked the bearish, uh, excuse me, the bullish engulfing candlestick that we had on Friday, setting the table for potentially higher corn prices uh, in the days or weeks to come. 
That is Tom Donstall of Daniel's Ag Trading. For more information, you can visit danielstrading.com. Again, Tom Donstall of Daniel's Trading joining us today as we take a look here at the end to see in large gains there in the soybeans, corn following it, and wheat in the red. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network.